Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Russ, and this is your reality check with Rob. And I'm calling this one the fallout to the aviation industry. And I'm joined today by my really good mate, Owen Zup, who has almost 40 years of aviation experience and nearly 35 years as a commercial pilot. And we're just going to riff it up here for about 20 or 30 minutes and talk about the economic impact of the pandemic and what that's doing to aviation, just from a, excuse the pun, from a 50,000 foot level. Uh, but then we're gonna talk about what it looks like in the next 12 to 18 months and what our view is of that. So it's a pretty interesting topic because aviation is one of those industries that gets absolutely slammed when something like this happens and it's getting hammered day in and day out. Zuppi, welcome to the show, mate. It's great to have you here. Hey, Rob, good to speak to you, mate. Mate, uh, a lot of people uh, are watching this pandemic unfold in the media and there's, there's probably three or four of my friends who have had trips booked to Europe that have all been kind of cancelled. There's a couple of my friends that had some uh, cruise tickets who also cancelled those. They got their money back in the form of a credit. The airline tickets weren't credited to them and it was all just a giant mess. Uh, what, what are you seeing unfold, mate? Have you seen this before? Have you seen this in SARS? Have you seen this in the collapse of Ansett? What, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I think, I think you've hit a point there in that, firstly, aviation is susceptible to so many variables outside its control, uh, be it the GFC, be it a, a pandemic, uh, be it oil prices escalating. Mm. There's so many variables that are, the airline industry is sensitive to uh, it has to pivot on so many occasions with minimal notice. As you've said, there was the, the 89 pilots dispute. There was the answer collapse. There was 9-11, of course, which had a huge impact. There was the GFC. We had SARS, bird flu, swine flu, and now the current one with um, coronavirus. So it's not like it's a new phenomenon for aviation, but it doesn't get any easier. And uh, I think we see some of the same traits occurring in that, the industry, which is very capital intensive, has to hunker down and get back to bare bones and try and keep its costs down to survive. But I think there's um, a, a number of those areas that it's really difficult to. Uh, you, you still have to own the aeroplanes, even though they or lease them, even though they're sitting on the ground and not generating revenue. So it is an industry that's very susceptible to so many um, incidents outside its control and I, I think that's one of the things that makes it a very difficult industry. Mm. Well, one of the things that I've seen in the media over the last couple of days is a relaxation of the, the rules in Europe about airlines flying to Europe and there's, there's talk in the media about ghost flights flying across the world with three or four people in them, the planes landing there because they need to maintain the slot. Can you just take the, uh, the audience and the layperson through what that actually means? Because the airlines have to maintain a certain number of inbound trips to those places in order to keep their, uh, their slots open, right? Yeah, every airport's different in the way it operates and some are very critical on the window of the time that you get in on that slot. Some are critical on maintaining those slots, X amount of slots over the course of a month. So it does vary from port to port, from country to country. But I think what you will see is what we're seeing in everything at the moment is that the normal rules in a situation like this almost have, I won't say go out the door, but the parties have to come together and find a compromise. Because obviously a ghost flight carrying three or four people isn't viable for very long. Um, 
and, and similarly, the airport recognises that airlines across the world are, are going to be not necessarily grounded, but the, the operations are going to be extremely limited. So I think the parties have to come together and realise that the rules have changed for the moment. And just as in any industry that we're seeing at the moment, it's going to be a case of compromise. And it's going to be a case of pain for both parties because obviously the airports won't have the revenue, their retail outlets within the terminal won't. So do they then pay leases and rents, etc.? And on the airline side, they're not getting the passenger revenue to then pay to the airport. So it's it's leads into another area, which is the incredible interdependence of, of the aviation industry. Yeah, it has a knock. It has a massive knock-on effect to so many. I, I just think of all the people that work at an airport. For heaven's sake, you know, there's, yeah. there's no aeroplanes coming there. There's no catering truck. There's no cleaning truck. There's no. There's no, as you say, the retail outlets that all goes away, and and it's just a a big giant mess. And I saw some. I saw some images. There was no video that I saw, but I did see some photos of a bunch of people uh, racing back to the United States to try and beat the uh, the cutoff from Europe, and people were. Uh, one of the things that struck me in the photo, there's like a big kind of open area, like a transition area to where you go and pick up your luggage and there's all the escalators yes. and there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people standing around waiting and a six hour wait to get your bags and then a four hour wait to get out of customs. Like what the hell? Not a single person in there wearing a mask. What a mess. Oh, I know it's, it's customs can be, as we all know, it can be backlogged at the, the best of times uh, when you have multiple arrivals coming in. But when you have, a peak period like this. This is more than a peak period. This is a, a, a full-on rush to beat a, a deadline. Uh, the system's in overlay. Plus, you can imagine that at the moment their screening is probably increased, yeah. which further slows the process. So um, it, it's one thing building on top of another. And that, that's what we're seeing right across the board. And as you said, the interdependence, the retail outlets, the catering, the uh, food stocks, etc., And each of those has a supplier. Mm. So there's industries that are three or four steps removed from aviation that will feel the impact of it. Uh, and I think we've seen that in a number of cases where aviation has suffered through one of these, these crises is that we don't realise how interdependent until it happens. Mm. Uh, people go, gee, is that related to aviation? Yeah, well, X, Y, Z cookies is... Their main contract is supplying the and airlines. Yeah. Uh, yes, we also go to retail outlets, but our major contract is there. So, from a biscuit to a catering truck to a, a refueling depot, it, the interdependence is far, far reaching. Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at it from a, from a macro perspective like that in an industry. And aviation is just one of hundreds of industries that make up our society. And this pandemic is really affecting. All of us in a long in a long career as an aviator, have you ever seen anything that's compar comparable to what's actually going on right now? Not comparable in terms of potential longevity, and definitely in terms of the uncertainty. Nine uh, eleven was an absolute crisis and a mm. tragedy, and the world changed forever. But there were strategies that airports and airlines started to consider and put in place almost straight away after it uh, and there was a, a, a strategy outline but at the moment they don't seem to know and not through any negligence the aviation or any industry seems to know what's the longevity of this crisis uh, what are the ramifications when will we have a vaccine 
there are so many questions that it makes it very difficult to uh, outline a strategy for the next 12 to 18 months. Whereas most of the other things I had seen over the years, relatively quickly, uh, still a massive pain point, but relatively quickly, there's been a, a target to address. We can start to draw up a strategy. This is the way we can move forward. And this one seems to have more uncertainty. And possibly the uh, internet media is more um, available to more folks than it was even around the early 2000s, even at the time of the GFC, uh, that speculation can run rampant. Yeah. And uh, once again, that can have a compounding effect, whether or not it's, it's genuine speculation at times, um, perceptions reality. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading a report yesterday that in Northern Ireland, they were going to close um, the schools for a total of 16 weeks or four months. And that has a massive impact uh, to the to the education sector, of course. And then the knock-on effect of your kids being at home, not being able to socialize, not going to sport, all of those things that are associated with it. What happens if this play the play the crystal ball with me here a little bit and in, <laughs> indulge me a little bit with the uh, the, the bad side of it. And then we'll, we'll close out this podcast with the good side of things. And yeah, yeah. I, I want to leave people on a happy note, but if this goes on for another 12 or 18 months, because it's 12 or 18 months before a vaccine gets on the scene and, you know, first responders are the ones that are going to get that first and then essential personnel, then it'll flow through to everybody else. If it is ever developed for that actual, uh, for this problem that we've got in, in society at the moment, but what happens if this goes on for 12 months? What's your view of that? Gee, crystal ball, absolutely. I'd say that there are probably airlines around the world that, that won't survive. And I'm not necessarily saying national carriers or major airlines, but we saw Flybe um, in Europe fall over the other day. They were already apparently a bit of a tentative case, but you will see some airlines that, that go to the wall over it, I suspect. How big they are, well, my crystal ball definitely isn't that good. Um, and then... Once again, it'll, it'll, if it went that long, I think you'd see major strategies in how do we hunker down. There'll be leave without pay in terms of personnel. Uh, maintenance schedules, well, they'll still have to be maintained, but they'll have to, I guess, get keep a certain amount of the fleet in a state of readiness in case they um, start to spool up again and operations ramp up. Um, but I think with all of these crises we've seen over the years, it's taken a little while for the public to gain confidence again. So even I think when we do have a positive sign, there'll be a window there where the, con the, the public starts to re-step into the industry and might give the airlines a lead time to um, get back. But you've got to remember that pilots and cabin crew, and um, they, they have a, a training schedule. Now, possibly that is one of the things that gets spooled down if people go and leave without pay. So then you have to get people back in, get them recurrent, mm. not, not fully train them up, but get them back up to speed. And this, and we're talking a 12 month period here. Um, at, at which point, you know, once again, do we get a lead time on it? But I guess you could almost see if it went for that long, a sort of period of hibernation mm. for the viable airlines in that they'll, they'll concentrate on the operations they can still do, maybe their domestic network. Um, their operations internationally might spool right down to a core element. And then hopefully when 
the sun starts to rise, they get a lead time to then start to ramp up. Because just as we said, it's an interdependent industry. Um, there are lots of behind the scenes training standards and no airline's going to compromise on that. Yeah, um, so they, they won't put it. If, if they have a downturn, they won't put an aircraft back in the air. No airline I've ever been associated with just to get the airlines back up and running. You can't start the steam train that quickly. Um, and you know, as a passenger, I don't want them to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, I, I can't help but think of, uh, some of a of a positive side of that on the other on the other side of all that doom and gloom and crystal ball reading or maybe navel gazing is a better way to kind of describe that is what we're sort of doing here but remember when that fella bought air asia for a buck mm, yeah you want to buy an airline <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are you up for i'm up for anything as an entrepreneur come yeah. on got a buck <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a little too volatile for me. <laughs> a little bit too upsy downy for you. You can't, you can't ride. Yeah, the Come on, man, that's a, part of the fun. It's always been a cyclic industry, but I must admit, it's somewhat had more spikes than than rhythmic cycles over probably the last 15, 20 years. We've had those those disease related um, spikes. We've had the GFC nine eleven, which you didn't see this coming. Whereas Probably some of the disturbances in previous years, it's been new technology evolving or countries opening up their networks or an economy shift or the low-cost carrier emerging. They were developments that happened over a gradual process. So the cycle of boom and bust to a degree um, was, I won't say more predictable, but softer-edged. Yeah. I think in the last 15 to 20 years, we've had more spikes that give less warning and have a, a sharper impact. So what if we pick up an airline for 50 cents, are you in? Still not in? No. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can't have a conversation about the impact on the aviation industry without talking about the manufacturers from a 50,000 foot level, excuse the pun. Now, Boeing, yeah. as many people in the industry would know, have got a whole bunch of 737 Maxes sitting on the apron in Seattle. Um, so they've got a brand new airplane in development, the 777X, all that stuff going on and i'm interested to uh, to kind of hear your views in and around that because for me it seems like they're on track to as an outsider looking in they're on track to resolve those problems to get those airplanes delivered to their customers and then this pandemic throws a spanner in the works there completely it's like is that the is that the the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak for boeing or does it buy them some time yeah i i, I doubt it it'll be necessarily the straw that breaks the camel's back but it does seem like a bit of a perfect storm for them. Uh, perhaps it'll give them a bit of breathing space to, to resolve some issues, particularly away from the media, mm. because everything they're doing at the moment is under a magnifying glass. And I think there's probably not just Boeing or aviation, I think there's a few industries can probably catch their breath because the media focus has definitely shifted off them. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a really tough one because... You've got airlines probably who, are, to a degree, have benefited from the non-deliver because they're sitting on the ground at the expense of Boeing at the moment as opposed to sitting on the ground at the expense of the airline. Uh, so it's another hit, I guess you could say, Boeing have taken in that case. So it's probably a mixed bag for them. It's giving them a little bit more um, time away from the spotlight to resolve, further resolve issues. But when the industry takes a hit like this, uh, it can't be good. Yeah. Um, th there's no order books getting cracked open. 
No yeah. one's making a purchase. It's just maybe it'll relieve the pain a little away from the spotlight. But um, be it Boeing, Airbus, Embraer, Gulfstream, anywhere, there's no sales taking place, and that that's not helpful for a manufacturer in any business. What about all the deliveries that are scheduled? There's aeroplanes coming off production lines right now. They're being painted in the in the company colours. Have been test flown and. Man, there must be a bunch of planes ready to be delivered, and those airlines are like, ah, that's like a really odd circumstance to be in, right? It is. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the contractual obligations about deliveries, so I can't really comment there. But it's a little bit like you were saying about the airport slots. I think it's going to require parties coming together and trying to see what solution allows both of them to survive with the minimum pain. Because mm. both of them will suffer um, a fallout from this. So the whole industry, and I guess you're getting back to the point I heard in your previous uh, podcast, is that it's a time when we have to sort of pull together. We have to subordinate the egos a little bit and um, say, what can we do as a greater entity rather than just my little bookshelf? And um, I think whether it be airports, manufacturers, airlines, air crew, Anyone within the industry, I think we have to um, realise it's an industry that, that is very close to the edge when these um, crises occur. So we have, we're in it together. And I think we have to find the compromises that hurt each other the least. I, I, was, I was gazing into my crystal ball before this podcast, thinking about some of the questions and some of the things that I was going to ask you and just this little discussion that we're riffing on here. And one of the things that kind of, really stuck out to me was there's a whole bunch of rules in and around competition with ACCC and Virgin merging with this company and this business or this airline merging with that airline. And, and I couldn't help but think that that's probably some of the solution. That's part of the solution where if these two businesses don't come together and merge, both of them are going to go away. But then we have this regulator on the side here, and I'm not here to bash anybody or say anything yeah. bad about a regulator, but the regulator says, no, there's all these rules. You can't come together. You can't do that. And they're like, but if we don't, we're going to lose everything. And all these employees are gone. I think we're moving into a, into a new world. And I don't think that this thing's going to be with us just for a couple of months. I think mm. that the fallout to this pandemic that we're involved in right now is in for the next 12 to 12 months to two years. And that is a very, very different scenario if we're two years down the track what what is what the regulator going to say about fair competition? Do they care more about jobs or do they care about competition? What what are your thoughts on something like that? Well, I, I think it gets back to the airlines and the airports. It gets back to the manufacturer and the airlines. I think it's the regulator and, and the airlines. These are extraordinary times. And when we have extraordinary times, we have extraordinary meetings. Mm. And I think there's probably already measures in place where people are sitting down and talking. I think that's these dialogues have to happen. I probably don't have any particular input on, on the regulatory issue at this time, but I think unusual circumstances will call for unusual solutions. There's possibly answers out there outside of the box that we haven't even considered yet. Yeah. Um, and there might be answers outside of the box that they can undertake on a shorter term basis. Um, it doesn't have to be written in stone, some of these possibly, some of these contracts between parties might be just clauses that, that will have X amount of duration subject to renewal. All these things that we've written in stone in the past, when something like this happens, 
we need to possibly sit down and compromise without ever, ever um, undermining safety uh, or the professional way we conduct our industry because that's, that's really the linchpin. If you compromise that, then the industry's in real trouble. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the commercial aspects and the regulatory aspects from a, a corporate perspective, not regulatory in terms of operating an aircraft, I think people will have to sit down and have conversations for the minimal impact on both sides of the fence. Interesting, interesting times we're living in. We've been talking about uh, the the airline industry and that space. And I want to just to touch on here towards the end of the podcast, just a little bit in, in and around general aviation, specifically here in Australia. Uh, GA has been one of those industries that has been hardest hit by the, the GFC particularly. Um, it was boom, boom times up until then. GFC hit and that just went away. Is this the straw that broke that camel's back? Yeah, it's, it's GA. You say how long I've been in the industry. Well, as a, a, a toddler, I wandered around Bankstown Aerodrome. Mm. My cubby houses were made out of aircraft crates. <laughs> that as the brand new aircraft were arriving in the country and out of Bankstown, they bust the crates open. There were that many. You picked up brochures in flying schools like you would for a, a car with photos of families having picnics under the wing of the 172. Mm. Um, so I've actually seen GA really booming. And then it's been, I won't say gradual decline, but it, it, it's been cyclic with a downward trajectory, I'd say. It's a tough gig. The, the overheads are high, um, ageing fleets, capital buying to have a new fleet is high, ongoing costs and regulatory costs are high. Yeah, it, I don't think anything will break anything's back to the fact it never comes back. But once again, maybe we see a smaller, leaner operation. Uh, definitely there'll be organisations who um, suffer. You know, and once again, you've got major contracts with, just like the universities, with Chinese flying schools, etc. Yep. Now, that dries up for a certain period. Uh, it, it'll come down to the individual businesses, I guess, as to how dependent they were on one contract and what their cash reserves are and their, their um, business issues that I've got no insight into. But I think it will be a very quiet airport around GA airports for the time being because demand will drop. There'll still be things that need to be done, aeromedical. There'll probably be freight demand. Freight demand could possibly even pick up in some ways. But uh, it's it's going to be a very, very difficult time. Mm. And the knock-on effect for flight training, people see, just a second, certain airlines have closed down their cadet schools at the moment. Yep. They've said there's a freeze on recruitment. So someone balancing, do I become a pilot or not? They wouldn't be probably putting their money down right at the moment. So once again, it's, it's a multiple blow to an industry that tries so hard all the time to survive. Mm. It, it's going to be tough. So I'll ask the question another way. Do you want to buy a flying school for a dollar? I'd probably buy the airline first. I reckon too. Yeah, that, that's it's a loaded question, right? I deliberately asked it that way. And yeah. you're more likely to make cash with an airline because there's a customer demand there rather than mm. trying to do that. Maybe we can... Uh, you know, there, there's opportunity at every at every moment of the day in any time in history. And I really think that these times in history kind of highlight to us how we have to plan and forward think and anticipate what's going to happen and what's going to come. 
And it's yes. not just so much about your business, but it's about the potential opportunities for you as an individual, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and as an employee as well. You know, where, where is this going to lead in 12 or 18 months time? And what can you do right now to start making some moves towards that? You know, keeping all of those things to yourself and anticipating those things. Who knows? Maybe I get to, to pick up a, a bunch of airplanes really cheap in a fire sale. You know, that's not at the expense mm. of somebody's business collapsing. Nobody wants to do that, but th that's reality. That's, I'm, I'm a realist. I live in the real world. And, you know, if I'm positioned correctly to go in and buy some assets, whether that's property, whether that's airplanes, helicopters, or an airline, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is uh, that I'm trying to get across in this mm. interview and this video is that of all the doom and gloom, there is opportunity on the other side of it. And it's up to you to, to lift your head up to not look down and in, but to look up and out, to use the Jocko phrasing. If so you I was know. about to say. Yeah, the Jocko phrasing. And, yeah. I, and I love that from a leadership perspective. You know, yes. he, he coined that phrase and I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we come together as, as a community and as a bunch of people, and that includes the aviation community and the people, the ladies and gentlemen that work in that industry, I think we can really get through this. And we're going to get through this. We're going to get on the other side. Mm. Yeah, and I think, what you say there, the community aspect of it. We've seen it recently with the bushfires. Mm. We've seen it through a number of things. And um, that's the positive I take out of it is that in amongst the panic and, and people behaving badly in, in shopping centres, etc., notwithstanding, um, I find it something like an aviation community. Possibly that's one place where the internet is a, a, a positive because people can come together there as long as they mind their manners. Um, I think we will come together, be it an airline talking to an airport or a manufacturer talking to an airline or you talking to me or whatever, if we have the conversations rather than the panic. Yeah. We have the conversations and we have a measured response to try and minimise the impact on both sides of the fence. And I think that's all we can hope for because there will be impact. But what we're trying to do is minimize it so that we can come out the other side in, in the best shape. Yeah. Very sensible, sensible comments and sensible feedback. Owen, thank you for, for coming on the goal in podcast and having a little reality check with me and sharing a little bit of your insights into the aviation industry. Really appreciate it, mate. No worries, Rob. Great to talk to you. Always is. All right. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a, a question or a comment for the show, you can just head over to goallin.com.au. Just click on the content tab, contact tab over there and you can just drop me an email uh, while you're over there. Don't forget to follow along in social media. And if you've, as I say, if you've got any questions, just reach out and we look forward to uh, connecting with you again pretty soon. We've got a whole bunch of these types of industry related podcasts coming up so if you've got some ideas questions or comments make sure you please reach out and that's pretty much it for this show we look forward to speaking with you soon it's bye for now